0: Welcome into Educational Leadership on the Go. I am your host, Dr. Dustin Bain, and we are so glad to have you today for another episode of Educational Leadership on the Go. Today's episode is going to be focusing on grading practices. Today, uh, I'll be joined by my normal co host, Dr. Jamie Wellborn, assistant professor at St. Louis University and assistant principal at Clayton High School, Dr. Ryan Looning. But today, we have a special guest. Our special guest is Dr. Nisha Patel. She is the assistant superintendent of secondary education in the Fox School District. The Fox School District, again, is my home district, and we are located just out to the county line of St. Louis. Almost twelve thousand students, two high schools. Um, she's in charge of the four middle schools as well. Um, Dr. Patel is one of the most knowledgeable people that I've ever come in contact in. Uh, I wouldn't even say just in the education realm, but just in, in general, I could sit down and talk to her and learn so much every time that we do that. Um, today, um, we pulled her in just because her and I have actually been working on a little—I call it an underground committee—because we're not really an official committee, but uh, where there's about ten of us now, and we've kind of grown um, on grading practices in our district and what do they look like at the secondary level, the middle school level, the elementary level. And how are we communicating to parents and to students that they're growing or they're not growing? Because ultimately, we've got to get away um, from just being happy with the letter that's put on there and get our focus on what is it that we're doing and creating to help get students to grow academically and socially uh, and in the responsibility Uh, Today's episode uh, is going to break that down in a couple different realms. You're going to hear us talk about a GRIT score. Uh, My school, Merrimack Heights, has implemented the GRIT score. The GRIT score focuses on a student's responsibility, on their ability to work with others. And how does that impact a grade or should that impact a grade when it comes to math, science, social studies, and all those core subjects? What do grades really even mean? And are we directing students in the right direction when it comes to grades? Um, I think this, uh, when you think about grades, it's like kind of turning the Titanic. Um, It's just such a traditional thing that we do in our schools. Um, But does it really accomplish what we want? So, today, as I said, we'll sit down with Dr. Looning, Dr. Wellborn, and Dr. Patel. As always, we want this to be interactive. If you listen to something today, you want to get in touch with Dr. Patel or you want to get in touch with Dr. Looney, hit me up um, and hit us up at go at gmail.com. LeadonTheGo at gmail.com. You can hit me up at Twitter at educate underscore bane. B-A-I-N at um and edu- and in Twitter, educate underscore bain. Um, and find me on Twitter and engage. I think this is one of all our podcasts that could probably get more reaction, and that's that's probably in a way that you agree and maybe disagree. That's okay. I mean, that's how we that's how we improve. You know, there's so many people that um, if somebody says something and they respect them and they have to go lockstep. No, I mean just listen and learn and, and see what you want. But uh, like I said, we were so uh, excited to get Dr. Patel to come in. Um, and it was funny at the end of this, I think she was shocked how quickly time went because this is one of those things, man, you can just sit down and talk forever on. And it's something that honestly has to change. Um, our colleges, uh, our schools, everybody needs to have a better idea of what they're getting in the whole child. Um, straight A's that, that, that tells you one thing that's great. Um, but it doesn't tell you the whole thing. Uh, so today we're going to deep dive into grading practices. As always, hit us up at leadonthe go at gmail dot com, educate underscore bain in the Twitter world. Hopefully, you guys have some feedback for us. Um, so we're going to jump right in as we join the roundtable discussion and hope you enjoy grading practices with educational leadership. Welcome in to Education Leadership on the Go. We are here for a special podcast on grading practices in our schools today. I am joined by our normal cast of characters here, Dr. Ryan Looning from Clayton High School assistant principal there, Dr. Jamie Wellborn, she is an assistant professor at St. Louis University, and we have a special guest today, Dr. Nisha Patel. She is the assistant superintendent of secondary in the Fox School District. Um, I have invited Dr. Patel in today because herself and myself and some others have done some work around grading in our district. Um, It's something I know she's passionate about, among other things, but I thought that this is a great uh subject not only for Dr. Wellborn, Dr. Looning, and I to discuss, but a great opportunity to bring somebody in that's doing uh, current work in our schools with that. So welcome in, Dr. Patel. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Well, thank you guys for inviting me. I think this is going to be a great conversation today, um, especially around a topic like grading practices, because it's so deep and you can go in so many different directions. It's going to be exciting to have a different viewpoints on this.
0: So a little teaser. One thing that uh, Dr. Patel has done in our district has developed what we call a grit score, um, and so that's just kind of a teaser. We'll get into that after we uh, just kind of talk in, in generals about some grading practices. I think this can be a hot button issue um, because um, I think when you get into why it is what it is, well, that's just the way it's always been, right? Um, how many times do we hear that in education, right? It's all—it's just—it's just been that way. Um, So uh, I think it's something that uh, some people want to change tomorrow. Some people are in between, and some are just stuck in the old ways. Um, So just throwing it out there, uh, we have a great representation, as I was looking at this, elementary, myself, secondary, and then post-secondary. At the elementary level, there's different things I see. There's so many schools that have already gone standards-based. But there are still, like in my school, in my district, K through two is standards based. Three through five is really A through F. Um, so we're even inconsistent there. And then I, I would believe the vast majority of secondary schools are going to be in the A through F. So when I talk about grading practices, what are some things that you guys see that uh, come to mind, and some other things that uh, that you think about, Dr. Looney?
2: Yeah, um, you know, at our school, and and for those of you who aren't in the St. Louis area, Clayton is very high affluent and very interested in um, the top colleges and universities across the United States. So um, there is a lot of grade grubbing is what we like to call it and and point grubbing from teachers and, uh, you know, the A through F scale, there is a lot of, you know, uh, work that goes involved into making sure that uh, each student earns every point. Um, We don't do a valedictorian, valedictorian system, so that I think helps with the maybe lessen some of the competition, but is absolutely a competition for our kids to get into the best schools. And uh, so, when I hear standards based grading, and I've been to a few conferences, um, it really intrigues me on what it can be. But I still think, at the high school level, at least especially at the school I'm at, we're still a ways from ways away from uh, developing a system that would fit into. Um, getting our kids and parents to understand uh, that, that the grade isn't the end-all, be-all. It should be the learning. And, uh, you know, so I'm very interested to talk to Dr. Patel about some of her um, um, experiences, especially at the secondary level.
1: And I would echo that, too, because I think grading is such a deep-rooted issue in terms of even just philosophically, right? Where do we, what do we believe grades are for? What's the purpose of grades? Is it really a focus on student learning or is it a focus on student teaching? a lot of times, if you look at the purpose of a grade, it's to communicate where the kid is in the learning. And I think that's where we lose a lot of, I don't want to say momentum, but a lot of like the reason why we're giving the grade, whether it's A through F or standards-based, whatever we want to call it. And then it gets messy.
2: And, and we talk a lot about it at, at Clayton is, you know, our, our job as teachers is to give students feedback and grades yeah. aren't feedback. And it's just an indicator and to make parents to understand that to help teachers even understand that is a is a major mind shift and it's going to take some time I think to kind of uh turn the the, the that momentum to some sort of standards base but I think that grit score that uh, Dustin shared and I'll you know I know we'll get to it but uh, I'm looking forward to hear more about that and then how that can impact how um students are are assessed in uh, with their grades or their standards-based grading.
1: Right because one of the things you also hear a lot is well are we really preparing them for the next level and we've got to teach them responsibility we've got to teach them a good work ethic and at the university level well their system doesn't match it has to match ours because we've got to prepare them to be accepted into the university and we can talk a little bit about it um, later on but even universities, I, I feel, are starting to, like, dig into more than just a letter grade, you know, so.
3: Yeah, and I, I think that's crucial. Of course, you're going to have the transcript where you're working on earning credits so that you can get your degree right. when we're talking uh, post-secondary. Right. Um, but I think that feedback piece is is crucial, and especially in my program um the participants I have in the program do not receive degrees at the end of it. And so that feedback, when you talk about adult learning or preparing, uh, you know, uh, older children to right. go into the workforce I think that feedback is crucial so um, I can see where where both of those are are valuable mm-hmm. so I I'm excited to hear about this today right. the, grit, the grit score and and how that would apply maybe to to us in our program especially in post-secondary
1: absolutely and we hear a lot you know when whenever you try to challenge a teacher's Um, grading practices, which they've been doing for years, and we went through the same type of grading practices, right? We got the A through F, that's how we taught, that's how we assessed students, and that's how we were assessed. So one of the things you hear often from teachers is, well, we've got to teach them the responsibility, the soft skills. And so one of the ways that we felt as a district here was to be able to support our teachers in making sure that they're separating the academic portion of what a kid knows and is able to do from the soft skills that we want to make sure our kids learn. And especially um, in this day and age, when you hear employers saying, when you look at, I think it was St. Louis Community College, every year, they come out with some sort of a survey to employers, and I think they survey over a 1,000 employers, and they say, what are the skills that you're looking for the most from graduates? And what are the skills that are lacking The top three, the the top number one was work ethic. Number two is collaboration, getting along with team members. Do they get along, you know, if you put them in a group setting. And then um, communication. So we looked at that information. Then we look at what do our teachers feel that they need to make sure their kids are learning. And then we develop these categories and we put that into a grid score. And basically the four categories were student engagement, responsibility, collaboration, and independent work. And so as a teacher, you now have a way to assess those important skills onto the grid score. So we gave them a tool to separate the grade from the behaviors that actually do help the grade. So we're interested to see how this goes. I know um, one of our middle schools is going to pilot it entirely, and then I believe Merrimack Elementary is as well.
0: Yeah, at uh, Merrimack Heights, where I'm currently at, uh, our fifth grade did it last year, Mm -hmm. and I was sharing with you guys on the way in, um, and just to review kind of the call out, it it is, we call it the GRIT score, and it's really those, in some districts, non-academic indicators, Mm -hmm. but... I think what you just said, the research behind what St. Louis Community College found, the collaboration, the responsibility, all those types of things is reflected there. So, um, yeah, we we implemented it in fifth grade, and it was funny. After first quarter conferences, our fifth grade teachers' feedback was 90% of our conversations were around the GRIT score. Now, could have been because it's something new, but in reality, those things do matter But when they say 90% around the GRIT score, it just wasn't the GRIT score. It was, okay, your son has an A in math, and they're working really hard. Wow, good for them. Your son has an A in math, but they ain't working that hard, you know, because they're just naturally gifted. And as a parent, I even know I fall into it. My daughter's entering third grade and luckily, she got my uh, my wife's mind because things come easy to her, and she picks up on things. So I find myself, oh, she's got it, she's good, but I haven't got much feedback, honestly, how hard she works. I, I really haven't. So I, I, I get concerned, and that's why I'm, I'm actually excited, her being with with me this year at our school, to see how that plays out for her. Um, and then also, what about the kids that are busting their hump, and they are getting a C, and that, and that to me is like the aha moment. It's like, you know, a C or a D or whatever you're getting. But to hear the fee, the automatic thought is, oh, they're getting a C or D. That's average. They're, they're doing average work. They're not working hard. When in reality, they could be busting their hump every single night just to get a C. And I think there's some validation to hear from teachers. Hey, I know you may not be happy with that letter grade, but their work ethic is outstanding. Because you know What? That's going
2: to mean something later on down the road um on such a high level, well, yeah. and even at the high school, you know looking at the transition from elementary to middle to high school, I and mean, one thing that I will notice, Dustin, is you know you have some gifted kids who've been told how bright they are from you know day one, and then they 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 test unbelievably well um and their grades look great, and everyone's happy, and everyone's excited. Then they get to the high school level level and start taking honors and AP courses, which are going to challenge their work ethic in ways, and they haven't developed that work ethic yet. So to to your point about your daughter and being able to um, show them that, man, you are doing great academically, but boy, your work ethic is is here, and it will catch up with you at some point if you do not kind of balance those things. And the same goes for the the kid who's who's busting their their rear end to get the C. Um, Normally, they will then catch up with uh, with the students who maybe have been achieving at a higher level uh, when they get to the, the high school level. And uh, it's pretty interesting to see that. So, I mean, to your point, this, this all sounds great. And, you know, as we sit here and talk around the table, you're like, well, why isn't everyone doing this? And i kind of throw that at Dr. Patel a little bit is why, why aren't we all doing this? Uh,
1: I think it honestly goes back to educating our teachers and our staff on the purpose of a grade. Because when you think of the, their mental models that they come in with, like I said earlier, they grade based on how they were graded, you know, and to here's an example. I used to teach biology at the high school level, right? And I had, if I looked at my grading practices, oh my gosh, did I have a long way to go in terms of what we were trying to do now. You know, I was proud that, oh my, let's have all, you, all. I remember we would have a homework section and like all our students are supposed to do the homework Turn it in. I'll give them points, and it's part. And I enter it in my grade book, and I feel like I did a great job. The kids learned because they did their homework. Huge part of the grade. Then, ironically, one year, I taught bio, advanced biology, and then I was taught. I was given a two-year biology course. Now we can have a whole another podcast on two-year courses <clears throat> because we think that if we slow down the, you know, curriculum that the kids will learn better. They don't. So I taught two-year biology. And the kids that came into that class are not the ones that are going to go and do the homework at home. They're just not. So I had to myself look at my grading practices, look at the gradebook, and come up with ways that I can give them constant formative feedback along the way. Um, We're having classroom discussions. We're looking at exams as not 100 multiple-choice questions that we're used to. Instead, come sit down, talk to me about mitosis. Like, explain to me, did you learn? So I had to go through that process myself because I knew the audience. And then looking and learning from that, I implemented it in the rest of my classrooms. But I feel like we need to have that conversation with our teachers and support them and provide them and open their eyes, honestly, because some are great at it, but some just don't know. They come in wanting to do the right thing, but sometimes we need to show, show them and explain to them, here's another way of looking at it. And I feel like we just haven't had that as much here. We're starting to, we're starting to educate and have these kind of conversations about what it. why are you grading that way? Do we feel like participation should be a big part of the grade? Why or why not? And really going to the purpose of the grade. And the more we open our eyes and have these types of conversations, I feel like then the more they're... Honestly, I haven't met someone who, after having this type of conversation, is like, still, no, no thanks. You know, they're willing to try. It's our job to make sure we have these conversations. And then providing them support like the grid score. Because if you go in and say, well, don't count homework as a huge part of your grade. Don't count the final exam as a huge part of your grade. And then just leave it at that. That's not fair. So we have to provide them tools like the grid score and say, hey, here's a way you can do it.
2: Yeah, a few of my teachers who I've had conversations with about standards-based grading grading would, would argue that um you know retakes and retests okay. and you know that, that that's unfair and uh, there is, there, that's a valid point. It absolutely is unfair if we're talking about a, grading a group of people, but if it's about the learning, it should make absolutely no difference And then with the purpose. So again, then when you have the GRIT score, though, that shows that while the student is performing at this level or meeting these standards, it shows they might have some work to do with punctuality of assignments, um, making sure they're responsible for their homework, mm-hmm. uh, making sure they're responsible for different uh, behaviors and uh, collaborating with their partners in class. So I really like how, how you guys have separated it, and um, I think that, I don't know how a teacher then could argue that, no, this doesn't make any sense to me, because uh, um, it really does clean it up and make it a little more, make it easier to figure out what a student is truly learning, which is what the goal for all of us should be.
1: And absolutely, is it important, the academic, the letter grades, for communicating to a higher education, absolutely it's important, the academic piece is, but so are these skills that we're trying to instill in our kids. Mm -hmm like grit you know and just getting along with one another that's huge no parent at the birth of their child says well i when you grow up i hope you get a 32 on the act
2: now we have a few parents that do that
1: (laughs) (laughs) mine included (laughs)
0: but
1: but we want to make sure they're good citizens absolutely
0: well and uh, building off that a couple of uh, things that I, i was looking up before we we met you guys just kind of led me into this quote, and this was from Scott Looney's head of the Hawkins School in Cleveland, and I got this out of the Will Letter Grades Survive Survive, an article on Utopia. But he said, the grading system right now is demoralizing and is designed to produce winners and losers. Um, the purpose of education is not to sort kids, it is to grow kids. Teachers need to coach and mentor, but with grades, teachers turn into judges. I think we can show the unique abilities of kids without um, stratifying them. Um, And I think that is, you know, when I hear about the competitiveness and and we need to have this many kids here, we need to have this many honors, and we need to have anything, that that plays right into that quote. And I think that the the misconception, which I think we've actually done a good job here at this, the four of us, is we're not saying that there's no value in A through F, it's that there's more to the story. And that's even one of the things I said, what, what does a grade really need to tell you and what do you want to get from a grade um, and I want to know at, at the elementary level, you know, at, at the secondary level, you may take geometry one year, algebra. So you're going to know, you know, if your grade's not so good in geometry, but in, in fourth grade or fifth grade, you may cover all those concepts. And so what I want my teachers to do is say, okay, what are the most important, what are the essentials? And then communicate those to the parents because as a parent, again, or even if the parent even the, kid, the grade level next is I want to be able to see my kid did terrible in geometry, so I know that I need to support. Um, that can play into your RTI systems, whatever. But they did really good with the numbers and the, and the algebra portion. So it, it's got to tell you more than just, hey, they're really good based on a letter or they're not. Um, and I think that's something that continues to tell more than the letter grade um, that, that we put in front of a kid.
1: And I think that goes to K through 12, um, Dustin, because yeah. even if you're going through algebra and you get a D, yeah, you made it to the next level, you know, the next course sequence. But what does that D really mean? The geometry teacher is going to sit there going, you didn't learn these, all these basic skills that you needed to be successful in my class. That's why it's so important that it's, even though it's a letter grade, it's tied to essential skills. Like what is the skills that the student's mastering or not mastering?
0: right, and so let let's let's go a little bit more specific. So we've talked a lot in generalities. We've talked about the grit score, and then at the end, we'll kind of bring it back together. Let's talk about a couple pieces because I think the important piece is hopefully there's teachers listening, hoping there's administrators of like, okay, so I go to my my staff or I'm a teacher, and I say, How does homework factor into the grading process? Always a question. And I hear, you know, my cousin, she's a teacher in in the Parkway School District here in St. Louis. We absolutely can't count any homework for a grade. Whereas you go some and we still have the grading practices. Well, you have to have nine grades. So now I'm not going to have nine assessments. So we've done some things here, but we don't have it also under control as, you know, in a whole thing as well. Um, We are trying to turn to Titanic because trying to trade – change grading practices that have been going on for years and years and decades and whatever, that's going to be tough. Um, but for example, in our fifth grade, uh, our fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Race, who gives a, an assessment every Thursday, and that is over what they've covered for that week and the essential skills for that week. They do homework every night, but that homework, they do not get a grade on. They understand, and I think this is the important part, that the kids must understand that homework and the parents understand that homework is preparing you for the assessment so that we get the independent ability of the kids. And I'll tell you a quick story. Right after we started implementing the GRIT score, and last year she really focused on her assessment practices and taking homework out of the equation, she got an email from a parent. And the parents said that, you know, you know all the way up into fifth grade, my, my daughter's been a high B.A. student. Um... And we do our homework every single night. I'm just not sure why. And what it came down to is we all know she was supported by a great parent, helping her do her homework every night, getting 100% on the homework every night. But when the student was left to do it on her independent self, it, it wasn't 100%. And that's, and that's a harsh reality. And what I think is on, a, on, a, on a, uh, like a reflective level, oh, my gosh, we've lied to this parent for four or five years you know, that they're really not an A student on their own. Um, but that was a huge, like, you get a negative email from a parent, which is always not always the greatest thing, but it's such a learning moment. And it, 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 it really supported what we were, what we were doing. Um, and so I think when you think about homework, Mrs. Reyes used homework to prepare them for the assessment. Um, And I think that opened my eyes when I went to a school where maybe there's not as much parent support for kiddos at home. Um, And is it fair to those kids that they go home and get no help and don't get 100% where somebody else does, but maybe they have a better independent ability? What's your guys' thoughts on homework and and what maybe some of the things your teachers do or what you've seen?
3: So I want to jump into this because you you touched on those kids who go home and there may not be support at home. The resources might be there. Uh, When you start talking about culturally proficient practices, this is where you get into these babies come to us already uh, with deficits, with great challenges, and the the last thing we want to do is put homework back on them at night in hopes of, Helping them to achieve on that assessment that's coming up every week, um, they're, they're going to have to have more support than just that because that'll just cause them to fall, you know, to, to fall behind. So it's good that we're thinking about that whole homework aspect um, because one, they wouldn't get the they wouldn't get the points they need for the grades if if they were uh, looking at that homework. But but in addition, we have to look at how are we assessing them while they're here and not just that paper paper and pencil test but uh you know other forms of assessment that leads to that grade and then being able to provide that feedback in terms of um you know how how we can support them as a school community but but also you know you have to keep in contact with the parents not knowing if there's going to be follow through or not but at least keeping those lines of communication open um, so that the parents are aware at least of um, the grit that they're showing here at school um, and in hopes that that will reflect at home too. Mm-hmm. So
1: I, I have a quick story to share. Um, my niece, I used to be an associate principal at a school, and my niece went to the same school. So we w- we had a rule about we, we're not going to talk about school when we get home. So she was talking to me, and she's like, man, I wish I had teacher X instead of the one I have right now. And I'm like... Well, why? She's like, well, I could definitely be making an A in there. And I'm like, well, what do you, what do you mean? And she's like, well, teacher X counts homework for 40% of the grade, and mine counts it for zero. So to me, I mean, that's in high school. So your her GPA is impacted. There's so many things that go into it. And to me, it starts with consistency. Like both teachers should be having the same grading scales, same values to homework if that's what they decide. If it's 40%, then make sure... Every teacher in that professional learning community is doing it 40%. Then we can tackle, is the 40% an accurate percentage to have in the overall grade? Um, to me, it goes down to what is what are you doing with the homework?
0: And what is the value and what does it right. bring to the table? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. and, and when it comes to the GRIT score, just to give uh, the listeners an idea, ours is pretty simple. It's just under responsibility. And it says, I complete and submit classwork, homework and assignments according to timelines. And then what's nice is Well, that's very broad, and then we have, you know, four, three, two, one, but then it's up to our PLCs, and they sit down and they go, okay, this is how many for a four, a three, a two, and a one, so then that's the second piece, kind of building off what you said, like, we know outside of this conversation, everything has to come back to the PLC, because then you get yourself in trouble here, where, well, a four to me is, you didn't miss an assignment, whereas a four to this person is, well, they missed one or two, you know, so even that that kind of, that's like a shameless plug for continuous to PLC, 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 so that we're all on the same page. Um, and then, you know, building off yours. Yeah, we can't have somebody counting it for this much homework and that for not. What do you see at Clayton and, and at that level when it comes to homework?
2: Well, and it's its changed a lot in 12 years. And you mentioned, you know, trying to turn the Titanic. And we are, but it's, it's taking a lot of time. This will be my 13th year there, 7th uh, as an assistant principal. <laughs> And what I've seen when I started there was just, as probably uh, Nisha was talking about at uh, her niece's school, is very much a autonomous, teacher-driven, teacher-led grading skill in their class. And it didn't matter if uh, I was teaching biology and Nisha and Dustin were also teaching biology. We all had different grading skills. We've gotten to the point now where all our like classes are uh, graded the same. Um, Our math department has taken some big steps, um, which I think are important when we talk about homework, where um, no homework is assigned, homework assignments are only worth four points. Um, So What they talk about is it's, you know, and they're mathematicians that talk about this really can't help a student. It really can't hurt a student either, you know. Um, It's more the practice, as you talked about, is is going home and helping them for the assessment. And as we do know, know, as more people practice, they they should do better as a a result of that practice. So there's some pockets of really good things going on. Um, The the standards-based is we've had casual conversations. There has not been anything, any type of movement with it yet because... We are still such a competitive environment that I think people are scared to make that switch. And and again, I, I didn't know what to expect coming into this conversation, but listening to the GRIT score or something like that seems to maybe some of the casual conversations we've had at the high school could calm some of those uh, nerves of people who think, oh, we couldn't do standards-based grading. No, no I think we could if we separate some of the, the skills that we want our, our students to have and we know they need and separate that from just the learning grade, and uh, by by doing that, I, I think there's an opportunity for uh, for some deeper conversation on this. So it's been very. This has been a very great podcast for for myself to learn and maybe to bring back to our to to the school. Well, and I think uh, you know thinking about that, uh, like yeah, I
0: went to uh, I don't know if it was last summer Rick Warmly, who's you know all about the standards based, and I'll, I'll be the first to say I'm just not one of those that like. Follows a person, then I'm just going to go all in, deep end. I do think there's a happy medium. And I do think, like, the grit score is a separate piece over here. But if I'm within, you know, like with, with Mrs. Reyes, she breaks it down. So she may put, if we have nine assessments in the quarter, she's going to put first assessment was over blank. over. And so as a parent, when I get to the, end of the quarter, I can have an idea to see where my kid um, struggled or excelled. Or just did, you know, enough to get by. And I guarantee if you're doing that homework, it probably correlates with how much they struggled on the homework at home. Um, It's awesome to hear that they're on the same page because that's a huge step just to be on the same page about, well, we expect the homework to be done, but it can't necessarily hurt them or it can't necessarily um, help
2: them over the top. And ideally, we'd move that from not only the math department, but English, science, social studies would, would take that cue and, and start moving that direction. You know, I think that is the goal when you talk about moving the Titanic. And uh, I remember listening to, you know, kind of listening to Ken O'Connor I was at a power school conference who who's very big on, on standards-based grading, and he kind of was explaining things. And I remember walking away, and this was, goodness, seven, eight years ago, and I walked away thinking, well, standards-based grading, the way he described it was still pretty similar to the a b c d f um there there's no separation of of skills and you're still telling the either meet exceed or below or uh, you know whatever you want to call it and i was like what's the difference between that between you know an a b c d or f and and you know I walked away thinking, well, that's where the feedback has to come in. People have to know what an A is and know what a B is and and what that actually means. And the more we can communicate, whether it's standards-based, whether using letter grades, whatever it may be, communicating the feedback to the students and the parents so they they can understand where they're at academically and uh we're we're still a ways away from that i still think it's uh, a lot of grades are well uh, billy is a good boy who who does his homework and pays attention most of the time as assessment grades or c's or b's but we'll give him an a he's he's a pretty good kid so (laughs) i still think that's where we're at and uh you know we can do better than that
1: and i think you know we're talking about homework and you mentioned feedback and i was just thinking a lot of times our our teachers work so hard all teachers work hard They wake up in the morning, they're like, man, I'm going to do the best I can for my ability for my kids. But what we need to help them is work smarter. One of the things, you know, I love John Hattie's work on visible learning. And if you look, and we're talking a lot about homework, but if you look at the effect size of homework, it's 0.29 minuscule. And feedback is almost like a 0.60, RTI is 1.29 so anything uh, 0.40 for our listeners is the hinge point where he says you get a year's worth of input, you get a year's worth of output. So anything above a point four is awesome, but homework is 0.29, and yet... As an educator, we spent so much time on deciding how many points that homework assignment is going to be. But it's what we learned,
2: and that's exactly. how we learned, and you know, we we all go back to what we were right. taught and how we how we were taught. So exactly. we think that is the right way to do it. So when you talk about moving that ship, this right. is this is the battle we're fighting, and uh, I, I do think right. we'll get there. It just it takes time. Absolutely.
3: So for me, it's been really eye opening as a parent. So I want to kind of shift to that. Um, just this year, so the first, uh, I, I guess, first three years of my daughter, we went through standards-based grading, and I had been trained in Rockwood on standards-based grading, and so I had kind of gotten used to this new type of grading that was out, um, but then this this past year in third grade, all of a sudden, we were getting letter grades, and I was struggling in my mind on why my daughter was not getting an A, um, unfortunately I it worked out positively for me um but I was raised in this winners and lo- losers category of um A's are the only thing that you get and, and luckily I was I was able to do that it worked out well um but when I my daughter was getting B's and C's I I was struggling to understand why and I wasn't receiving the feedback that I needed um to know w- why uh, we went from being tested for gifted to reading at a fourth grade level in kindergarten, to all of a sudden we're in third grade and we're making C's, which to me communicates average. Um, and so for me, I had lots of questions for, for the teacher, for the school district on, so what does this mean in this particular school district? So you're one of those
2: parents, Jamie. I, uh,
3: <laughs> I sure am, but, but I have learned so much and I can tell you grades do not mean as much to me as as they once did. Are they important? Are they going to be a part of my daughter's life Go you know she'll probably go all the way through high school receiving right. these percentages and letter grades and and it does indicate something mm-hmm. um but as a parent, I want to know exactly what it means and in fact i I was able to to get the test to see what produced this c average. Mm-hmm. You know, and it came down to she missed every single question that related to context clues. Well, if I'm a parent and I'm not an educator, and I don't even know what a context clue right. is myself, how can I support my child and if she doesn't get the help she needs because she she operates like an a student she she has that grit, you know, mm-hmm. so she's going to fly under that radar so if if I'm not there to support her and she's never taught what a context clue is or how to answer that single question on the test every week, you continue to see that. But does that actually show the picture of the whole child um, and what she knows and understands is able to do or will be able to do? So, you know, I I really like this GRIT score. Like, I'm excited to share it um, with the district that my kids attend and also look at it at the university. I I think it's very valuable. And I also like, sorry to keep going, but... Um, I like that it puts it, the descriptions are written for the students. I think that that self-evaluation, self-reflection, even at the kindergarten level... You know, all the way up is, is an important skill to learn on how to reflect on your progress and how you're doing. So I really like that that's included in this, this well, grid as well.
0: And Hattie's, I mean, self-reflection is huge yes. on Hattie's work, and we've talked a lot about that. While you're sharing I, the the exact same thing happened with my daughter, who's going to be in third grade. Second grade, math. She gets it, she knows how to do it, but they're kind of still in the, they were still in the old adage at her previous school of giving like 25, 30 problems. Well, she knows how to do it, so of course she's going to go fast, right? Well, 25, 30 problems is a lot, but if you miss three or four because of silly mistakes, now all of a sudden, and so I think it was the third quarter, she got a B. And so she, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but she doesn't care, you know, she's just like, she's like that in sports. She's like that in school. She, she has grit. She wants to do her best, but she can drop things as soon as they're over. Um, and so that's a good and a bad thing. But I don't think, one, she understood what a B was. Like, we just assigned it to her, and she didn't understand. I mean, she knows she wants to get an A. But she got a B because of her homework grade. Um, and it was so funny because we didn't even call the teacher, but the teacher called us. Because she knew and in the and it was the classic answer of Skylar should be getting an A. And that and like my thought process, then why isn't she? You know, and so it's like um, in a grit score you can put rush is too much, yada yada yada. But if the student is an A student and can do the assessment and just, you know, make simple mistakes, I think we have to be able to decipher that. Um, now there you can't do that for five or six years at some point the rubber meets the road and she has to learn you got to slow down but are we going to put things on report cards that don't really and that's what I ultimately ask our teachers is if you can sit across from parents at conferences and if the words come out of your mouth that that doesn't represent or she's a better student than that then why does the grade show that like that that you can't, if you say that, then you got to be able to kind of own that. So I think that's a big piece of puzzle. So I'm glad you shared that, Jamie, because I had the exact same experience. And I think we all probably have. And that's what I said when, and I actually caught my ear when you said, well, she'll probably do this. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully we do change this grading practice over time. And then, you know, you at the post-secondary level of You know, we do know at that level. Sometimes it's just pass fail, or it's just you have a certain responsibility. But you said your students about not getting grades. Um, Talk about that for a second, because there's kind of a quote here that would go with that. So, how do you think, or how are your kids evaluated at that level?
3: Yeah. So, uh, my students, kids, whatever you want to call them, they're they're actually participants. They are veteran teachers, actually from Saudi Arabia that are in a professional development program. So. It's important to know that when I'm talking from SLU, I'm not talking about students who are there to get, you know, they're not undergraduate, graduate students that are there to get degrees. Um, but the participants in my program, again, are veteran teachers, um, administrators, coordinators that um, have been sent over here uh, to be immersed in our schools. And so part part of their, uh, I, I guess, outcome here is one, to increase their English language skills, but also to be uh, embedded in many of the leadership classes at SLU. And so these are designed specifically for them so that they can uh, increase their skills, learn about new theories, strategies, assessments that are out there. And so when we look at grading them per se they're they're not doing homework they are not they don't have assignments that they have to go out and find something and write you know a two-page reflection or prepare this project they have they have one main outcome at the end Um, and so really it's just small formative assessments you know as as we go along the big summative comes at the end um, where they are, they, they're charged with presenting about an initiative they plan to bring back to Saudi Arabia. And so we we look at their progression over the course of the year, um, providing feedback to them in terms of their English language development, as well as um, just the, the use of, of the theories, the strategies, uh, the assessment, everything that, that, we are teaching them along the way, or helping to facilitate that learning. So, again, just that that written feedback is is really what you're going to get. You're not going to get a score. Um, this grits this grit grid um, represents one of the grids that we use with them. The above expectations, has achieved expectations, So it allows for them to see, you know, on a progression scale. Um, how we think that they are um, accessing the program outcomes or working towards achieving those.
0: Well, and it's funny you say that because I found another. Uh, I thought this and what you just said, kind of where we're going with the discussion, is interesting. It says in real world jobs, everything comes down to the final assessment, and along the way, adults need to be able to take feedback, know how to, and know how to make adjustments. They can't continue to get by providing C work for their boss. And so I love that quote. I think when you put the word everything, that kind of gets a little bit too encompassing. Um, but we saw that video from Simon Sinek and our current workforce of millennials. And uh, depending on who you talk to, I might fall into being a millennial or not. So I'm not, I'm not ripping on them because sometimes I fall into that. But um Talking about not being able to take constructive criticism because they've been told all their life, yeah, you're great, you're great, you're great. And now I can't, and, and think about your, um, you know, students or the people that you're working with. But you know what I think about? Evaluating teachers. It's all about formative, 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 summative. And if you're doing C work the whole way, that's, you know, that's what's going to be the end result. You can't get CCC then A, and if, they, and if that is, then that's a leadership issue, right? So I think you can think about any realm of evaluation in those jobs, and it really does come down to that final assessment, but you don't just pop up one day and take that final assessment. It's all the work you do up to that point that's really going to pay off in the end.
1: Yeah, we, sorry, oh, go ahead. We hear that a lot at the high school, especially, you know, when we're working with teachers and changing, it's like a paradigm shift, right? Changing grading practices, but the real world, they don't get this in the real world or even in college, because that's the next step you're looking at. Colleges don't allow this. And my nephew um, just finished his first year of med school at the University of Kansas. So we were talking one day and I'm like, hey, how was the first year? Everything go okay? And he's like, yeah, they started a new curriculum, med school, mind you, um, this year with his class and the curriculum is all online and what they've done is they've built a facility where they have breakout rooms and the students go there so they can l- learn all the curriculum at home they can learn it in the breakout rooms if they want but it's all discussion based and the instructor walks in and he gives them constant feedback on the learning process then they take the assessment at the end of the unit they're all they're all self-paced if they don't do well on the assessment, they take it again. That's the real world. We are preparing doctors with that kind of curriculum. You know, and so when you hear, well, in the real world, you only get one chance. Well, no, even our secondary, like our institutions are moving
0: towards that. And, and you can hit your point, but I'm actually going to pick on you for a second, Jamie, because when we did the podcast about yours, you were 90 pages into your dissertation and your advisor was like, this isn't going to fly. You know, so it wasn't like they, ma- they kicked you out of the program at that point. All four of us are, have a doctorate, and we've all done a dissertation where we've gotten feedback. I don't know about you guys, but I know my first submission at every chapter was not good enough. Right. So that's, again, the real, that's the highest level, basically, of what we can do in education. I mean, all of those were all constant feedback, constant feedback, constant mm-hmm. feedback. Um, so I don't know if you want to get your point in now or if I cut you off there, but
3: no, that's okay. So I think one of the most important soft skills is being that intrinsic evaluation. I have talked about this on a previous podcast, but, uh, every time that I, I was up for an evaluation, uh, as an assistant principal, I would write my own evaluation before the principal had time to, um, and it would be so much more cutting than than they could probably ever be to me. Like I was pinpointing the things that I knew that I needed to work on, um, with with examples of why I knew it was subpar per se, and what I would do in the next year to help um, achieve the goal or or improve. So I, I think that's an important thing that we have to teach our kids early on is how to how do you self evaluate. And these descriptions here do this in the the grit grid um, at, at the University we do that with with our education professionals uh, making sure that they are aware of the things because if you're if you're not I guess um, motivated or if you don't have a connection to the things that you know you need to work on you're not you're not going to work on them you're not you're not going to mm-hmm. do it if someone's telling you um, I mean I guess you could lose your job um, or not get hired but that's where the real grit comes in is when you know it and you can work on it yourself. I think you see, see lots of progress. So it's important that the person being evaluated also has a role in that. Absolutely.
0: So let's kind of, uh, I'm going to kind of bring it back to the end here because we've hit a lot of different, uh, pieces here, uh, as we've gone through and it's all great stuff. So ultimately I've learned a lot from just sitting here and I think that that's the whole point of doing this podcast. And we've talked about that, that, We're not experts in everything. Um, Jamie and I sat down and we did one on cultural proficiency, and I'm like a different person now, you know. And so it's like we're learning, learning, learning. But one of the questions that I think this ultimately comes down to is we have a great discussion for 45, 50 minutes. How do we ultimately make a change, though? How do we ultimately curve the system or let's just be honest what do we think it's going to take to change it the quickest and i know that i have my thoughts but um and we and we can kind of try to each try to give our thoughts uh i know dr patel talked about educating the you know the educators first but as a whole how is this going to how are we going to get a whole education system to look at grading with a
2: different lens what are some thoughts that come to mind when I, i kind of throw that out there and I'm interested to listen to Dr. Patel a little bit before that, because one of the things that was going through my mind was as a assistant soup and you working with teachers and trying to, um, you know, implement these type of systems, what has their reactions been? How has that gone with, with individual teachers? Because again, we've had some casual conversations, but really not really trying to implement change yet. And mm-hmm. so I'm kind of really interested in kind of maybe your experiences around that.
1: I think it, it's, it varies. It varies teacher to teacher. It varies, varies PLC to PLC, department to department, building to building. Um, and that's what you know a systematic change, change requires, right? Moving everybody in the same direction. It takes a lot of time. It is like steering the Titanic. But to me, I think ultimately it's about setting a culture. And I always try to make this point across that culture and climate, two completely different things. It's a culture of expectations that we want to set. What do we expect our teachers to do and what do we expect from our students and our parents? And culture takes time. You guys know that. It takes time to change. It takes time to build. But along the way, climate may go up and down. We may have educators that are upset. We may have educators that are like, let's do this. This is the best thing that we could do. And we have to like go through that whole process. So even when it comes to something like grading practices, we can bring out the grit score and say, hey, this is the best thing since sliced bread, let's try it some teachers will absolutely take it and run with it, Dustin's school running with it, we have a middle school that's going to pilot not pilot, yeah, pilot it with 700 kids, school wide because they're ready to go for it and so that's that culture of like that is what we expect to do are they, Are we going to hit road bumps? Absolutely we are that's the climate, you know And we, and it's okay, we go through that, but Ultimately, it's what we want our kids to be exposed to. And then I to. think
2: you have to see the success. Right. I mean, for people to change, they, they have right. to see the success. And I think about our school, and Dustin, bringing it back to kind of your big overall question, how do we how do we make the change? Well, whether it's Clayton, whether it's Fox, whether it's English University or, or wherever it is, um, we have to see people having great success with this and really getting people to buy in because when the rubber meets the road I'm not going to change until I see it 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 happening and it working so starting with pockets of teachers and I kind of have a vision right now I've got two teachers in my mind who let's give this a shot this Mm -hmm. year I'm going to talk to them next week and see if uh, they'd be interested in trying something like this and maybe if they have some success with it their students have some success and uh, they feel more motivated at school and, and have more not only, you know, intrinsic motivation because I hear that word and I think, you know, all grades are as external motivation is all it is, especially in my place where kids are trying to get into school. So if we can find ways for them to be more reflective and um, really look at the intrinsic motivation, I really think that then can start that change and, and one small pocket then can move from two teachers next year to five to six a year after, and maybe you keep doubling, and next thing you know, within the next five to ten years, we're looking at a different type of system.
3: So I have a question, too, for you, Nisha. Mm -hmm. Um, So my dad's one of the smartest people that I know, and I don't know that he will ever understand standards-based grading. I know when Brinley, my daughter, calls and announces that she got all threes and fours that that means nothing to him. Um, and there's some disappointment that there's not the mention of A's and B's, and um, or should I say A's. And so, how are you as a district in terms of educating the, the parents um, and, and the community members about this shift? Are there any plans for that, or what avenues will you use to, um, you know, we're gonna we can help change our teachers with within the school system here. But then there's also that change that happens perception-wise from the community and the parents.
1: Right, and that is a huge piece, and we talked about that actually when we did our um, Best Grading Practices Committee. You know, that's a whole other layer of education that we have to do with the parents because parents grew up with the A through F. They're not used to something like a grit score or even a teacher that's willing to do true standards-based grading and the communication piece of that. So systematically, that is a whole other layer that we still need to address, and honestly, we are not even there yet. First, what we want to do is make sure that teachers are comfortable with these new practices because guess who the parents are going to listen to more than an email or a flyer or mass communication that comes from the district, their kid's teacher. So if the teacher can sit down in front of a parent and say at parent-teacher conferences, here's where your student is or here's where your child is rather on the grade, here are the soft skills and here's where they are, and that's, to me, that's homegrown grassroots efforts that's going to get that parent to talk to the other parent and say, this is what it's about. As opposed to a mass like, hey, look, this is what we're doing at Foxy Six. It's the grit score. They're going to be like, what is this? But they're going to listen to their kids' teachers more. So the more we educate the teachers on it and the more teachers that we have doing this and implementing it, talking to the parents, to me, that's the true communication
0: And I think, uh, with and just, uh, Jamie, I'll piggyback off that, when we did it in fifth grade, uh, and we have a great uh, family support here and, and great parents, and that trust, and I will say our fifth grade teachers are very veteran teachers, very respected, so it kind of builds off what Nisha said, which is there's a lot of trust built up there. Right, but we sent home the grit score. I sent it home on one side, and then it was a, a letter from myself and the teachers explaining why we're doing what we're doing. And it gave them an opportunity hey, if you have feedback, if you have anything, let us know. You know, as I go school wide, I have to think about how I'm going to communicate that. And and we've already done that. And one of the things we're looking at is having a night where we invite parents in. And it would be a big thing that we talk about. Ultimately, it's hard to get that 100% because whether they read it or they don't. But just trying to, if the teachers buy in, and it kind of goes back, uh, I'm going to jump over to Ryan's point. When my fifth grade teachers would talk about it at our leadership meeting and said, it drives 90% of our conferences yeah, you know, the kids are comparing and this is what we like about it. And I even told Dr. Patel, I was surprised by this, at our last, it was like in April, I was sitting around the table with our leadership team and I said, you know, next year I would like to see us implement the GRIT score at every grade level with every student. Okay, let's do it. it and the reason was it's not necessarily, not anything I did. It was because they saw, you know, Amy Parsons come every week and talk about how much it was paying off. So then it was like, well, if they're using it and they like it, well, and it goes back to your point. I think it will spread. So kind of bringing that all back together. Um, when I asked that, I read when I read a couple of these articles. I think ultimately grading in general, whether it's a grit score, standards based, I think there is going to have to be a shift at that post-secondary level, and I think you're seeing that with some of the higher level colleges that have. More kids, you know, they're kind of sitting on their high horse, saying, "Well, we can kind of do what we want, and we're going to get the kids." I think as they start to shift what they are seeing acceptable, because you'll see a random thing that say, "Oh, we're not putting as much emphasis on the standard based score anymore." This, you know, they can, you know, because they have the flexibility to do that. It's harder for the smaller schools to do that, right? I think if you see a shift at the post secondary level as to what is acceptable, because. At Fox, at wherever you go, but like if you're at Clayton and you're talking about them being competitive, that's going to change a parent's thought process overnight because it's going to be chasing that. So you kind of use that against them in a way of we value this. Okay, well then you know you kind of you know you're putting yourself against it. So um, kind of put. I mean that that was an awesome discussion. Uh, it goes uh, faster. I want to thank uh, obviously. Uh, dr Patel for coming in today yeah thank you dr thank Patel. You. It was awesome.
1: absolutely this yeah. was great
0: yeah this was uh, this was yes. awesome we could go on and on um, didn't even get to some of the things on the list uh, but in respect for time we'll get out of here so we hope that you keep on listening it's education on the go uh, we hope that you will e- actually uh, reach out to us we have an email address at lead on the go at gmail.com lead on the go at gmail.com so hit us up. Um, you know, Jamie's got our consulting, uh, business on the side and does a great job with that and our cultural proficiency. And you're open to any questions or if you want to get in contact with any of us, thank you for listening. We'll see you later.